Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. My name is Micah Hasty. I'm the associate pastor of worship here at the North Canton Chapel. And it is always good to be together in this space worshiping Jesus, isn't it? It's good for me. It's good for my soul. And it's an honor uh, to be able to be here in this space presenting scripture to you this morning. Uh, It's a privilege. And so I want to just say a quick thank you to Pastor Brandon and to our elders Uh, for continually allowing me a space here to be able to preach from God's word. Uh, There's nothing that I love more than being able to open up the scriptures and help us to see Jesus rightly. Because I believe that when we see Jesus rightly, when we know good doctrine and theology, we are able to better live our lives in worship of Jesus. And so it's an honor and a privilege to be here this morning. And so I want to pray for us just kind of before we begin Uh, that the Holy Spirit would do in us just that, that he would help us to see Jesus rightly and he would help us to respond to him accordingly. So if you would, would you pray with me? Jesus, today is all about you. Everything about it. If not for you, none of this would mean anything. God, I pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, that you would sanctify us this morning, that as we look into your word, that you would reveal more of yourself to us, and that we would not leave here this morning the same as we came in, that we would have a a deeper appreciation and understanding of who you are and what that means for how we live our lives. We thank you that you are here. Guide us. It is in your name. Amen. Amen. Silent night, holy night. All is calm. All is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild. We know this song, yes? Sleep in heavenly peace. Peace is an interesting word. Having peace, knowing it, understanding it. It's a word that this time of season, it radiates throughout everything that we see. Next to the word joy, it is probably there more than anything else that we see this time of the year. And as we examine these different aspects of the Advent season, hope, peace, love, and joy, uh, what I hope that you will see is that these things are not independent of one another but rather they all work seamlessly together to point us toward one thing, one person, Jesus. Last week, our executive pastor, Dave, unpacked uh, hope for us. And as he did this, he presented hope in a way that it, it shows us there's an expectancy for greater things to come. And as we look at peace, I think it's possible that we could say that we, in a way, hope for peace. And then as we hope for peace, we look for this concept of sacrificial friendship, for this concept or spirit of harmony, for this absence of hostility, for a freedom from fear. This is peace. And it's only when we truly begin to understand and have perfect peace in our souls through Jesus that we can really know what true love is 
And that love comes to us in the person and in the work of Jesus. And once we know that love of God for us, it fills us with a joy that is unexplainable. This is how Advent works. Advent is a season of hopeful anticipation. It's a season where we sing songs like, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And it's my hope and prayer that those things don't just hit us for a moment, but that they radiate in our hearts and lives for all of our days. Advent is a season that causes us to look inward and upward as we examine hope, love, joy, and peace, and ultimately, Jesus. See, Advent traditionally looks to the birth of Jesus, the incarnation, deity embracing humanity and becoming flesh, a baby born to die. But we believe also that Advent is not just a singular moment, but it was the beginning of something that is still ongoing and has deep ramifications for all of our days. So today, as we look at peace, I'd like you to keep one simple phrase in mind. Peace is impossible apart from Christ. Would you say that out loud with me? Peace is impossible apart from Christ. I'd ask that as we examine the scriptures this morning, that you would allow that thought to carry you, that you would rest in it today. We're going to dive right into the text this morning, so if you have a copy of God's Word, please turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 67. You could scroll there on your phone if that's how you read your Bible, or if you don't have a copy of God's Word, there is a Bible under the seat in front of you. Uh, you are welcome to take that with you today as our gift to you. But Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 79, and here we have Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, uh, and he's going to tell of the coming salvation that we see in Jesus. And if we look at this passage, it's filled with language of promise. In fact, a lot of what we learned during our Vintage Faith series as we looked at Hebrews 11, we talked about the promises of God. And what we're going to see here is that we have a God who never fails to come through on his promises. So if we could, let's begin. Verse 67. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Can we pause there for just a moment? I mean, how great is our God? Like, don't, don't miss this. I know we're just three verses in and I'm just starting, but... Let's, let's not miss how great our God is. I mean, I hope we don't read passages like this and, and just scoot by them. Look at it again. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. This God who formed us from dust who spoke light and life into existence, a God who is in sovereign rule over all things, has visited and redeemed his people. He is Emmanuel, 
He is God with us, not far from us. This points to a God who cares deeply about you. He loves you. And he is a God who has not set things in motion and then steps away, but a God who is uniquely and intimately involved in every detail. He has visited and redeemed us. This is cause for rejoice, my friends. Let's keep going. You guys aren't ready for today. I can feel it. You got to get there. Get there with me. All right. There's 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that we swore to our father Abraham. Now this is again, looking back when we talked in Hebrews 11, last time I spoke, we looked at Abraham and how he trusted in the promises of God and how even though he didn't know all of the answers, he didn't know all of the destination, he trusted anyway. To trust God, even when we don't know where he's leading us completely, is truly a remarkable faith. And all of Abraham's obedience, all of his faith, all of God's covenant promise is coming to a head in this moment because peace is going to arrive in the person of Jesus. Let's continue reading. To grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. Notice how God always makes a way for his children to come to know and understand him. He's always giving us a way to do this. To give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. And then he tells us where this forgiveness of sins comes from. Not from anything that we have done, but would you read this next part of the scripture with me out loud? Because of the tender mercy of God. The tender mercy of God who has visited us from on high. Let us never forget who our God is and what he has done for us. May we never lose sight of this. We can rest in the faithful mercy of our God, of the one who loves us so much that he would send Jesus to be born, to die on a cross for us. See, we can't just look at the season and look to a cradle without looking to a cross. Jesus was born to die. He came to save sinners, to pay the debt that you and I could not pay on our own. No amount of prayer or serving or tithing or sacrifice or praise and worship, no amount of church attendance or Bible study can pay the debt. We are not saved by our works. We are saved by the grace of Jesus and Jesus alone. Let's finish this text. Because of the tender mercy of our God, I love this language, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high 
to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. We hope for a silent night when all is calm and all is bright, where we can sleep in heavenly peace. I'm going to be a little vulnerable with you this morning, if that's okay. Peace is difficult for me. Not in that I'm an angry or hostile person, but more often than not, I feel like peace evades and eludes my mind. Um, For a large part of my life, I have battled against anxiety and depression. And I remember one of the first times that it became difficult after Kristen and I got married when I started feeling this moment of something is not right with me. Have you ever had that moment where you think you're a little bit off, but you're not quite sure? Okay, so some of you are nodding your head to make me feel not so bad. Um, but I had this, this crazy moment, and it's this silly story, but for me, it, it started to solidify things. Um, so I'm washing dishes one night, and there's this pan in our sink, and I'm scrubbing it, and there's this tiny little brown spot on the pan, and I am scrubbing it for all I am worth, and I cannot get it clean. This is before Norwex, so I'm sure that was a problem. It's not. I'm sorry. If you don't know, don't ask. Um, but no, I'm, I'm scrubbing this thing, and I just can't get it clean. And then my mind begins to tell me these lies. Because this is what happens. I start going, if I can't get this pan clean, Kristen's probably going to lose respect for me. She's going to think that I'm worthless. And if I can't get this pan clean, she's, she's going to think I'm worthless. She's going to think I can't help raise our daughter Riley the way that I need to. And if she thinks that I can't do that, she's probably going to go find another man who will. She's probably going to leave me if I can't get this pan clean. And if, if she leaves me, then I'm going to lose my job at, at the church because if I can't lead my family well, then I can't lead the church well. And it's just worthless. Now let me say this. Kristen didn't do anything to merit those thoughts. Aside from Jesus, she is the greatest grace I have ever known. But my mind began to spin lies to me that I could not control. And I had to come to a place where I had to admit that I needed help, that something was off with me. And so I began to pray and I would see God and say, God, would you restore my soul? Would you bring peace? to my mind, and if I'm honest, it felt like he didn't answer. It felt like I still wrestled with these things. And so I had a, a trusted mentor of mine who began to speak some truth into my life, and he said, you know, I think that you've got a lot of pride and a lot of fear when it comes to this, and you're not really trusting God in some of the ways that you should. And so I began to repent of those things and confess of those things, but it still seemed like the smallest of things would set me off. Um, in fact, there was one day that I, uh, I brought Riley home from church. She was maybe uh, two and a half or three at the time. And it was nap time. And we all know toddlers at nap time, right? Yeah. Um, and so Riley didn't want to put her PJs on. And I am standing in the hallway going, like, let's just put the PJs on. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be fine. And so she is not having it. And this whole thing ends with her screaming and crying butt naked in her room. 
uh, with me laying on the floor in the hallway in a pool of tears feeling like my chest is going to explode. And I just became unraveled. And I'm laying there thinking, I am never going to get through this. And so I call another trusted friend of mine. He's talked publicly about some struggles with anxiety and panic. And, and he began to start talking to me about navigating going to a doctor to see if I needed some medication. And he helped me to understand some things about this idea of peace. One is that there is peace that is spiritual and perfect peace only comes from Jesus. But he's also given me the ability to help myself when things also become physical and medical. Sometimes we need both things to help. And since then, I, I've been on medication and off medication. Um, not long after my mom passed away, I had some kind of new lows uh, in this season. And for whatever reason this year, I think just with my mom, it's been hard for me. Um, and I could probably point to a number of reasons why, but one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever been given when it comes to this comes from that mentor. And he says, Micah, you need to glance at life and gaze at God. Because, see, this is the thing. I, in those moments, I can choose to remember that God is in control. That when I feel completely in chaos, when I feel completely out of control, it is okay. Because God is always in control. When I feel weak, it is okay. Because God is strong. When I feel at a loss and hopeless, and without peace, it's all right. Because God is perfect hope and peace, and he never fails. You can glance at life and gaze at God. You know, it can be okay if in one way or another I battle with this for the rest of my life. That's okay. Because God is in control, and he is good, and he is faithful and I, I realize after telling a story like that, um, that story is not about me. It's about Jesus and his goodness and restoration. But I also realize that when I share that, that there are some of you who have been there. And you know what that feels like to have the bottom drop out and not know how to put it back together. There are some of you that are there today. So if that's you, if I could just say something to you, you are not alone. Jesus has never left you. It is okay to not be okay, but it is not okay to stay focused on that hurt and that pain because it is a lie. Jesus is stronger. He is greater. He is enough. And from someone who needed it, I needed it said to me, please let me say this to you. Do not let pride and fear get in the way of you getting the help that you need. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10, Paul speaks of God's power and weakness, of our weakness. He speaks of grace and of Christ being sufficient for us. He says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. 
my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, I am strong. These are the words of someone who glances at life and gazes at God and clings to him for his peace. But this is so counterintuitive to everything that we're taught, isn't it? In our culture, we're driven to be strong, to not show weakness, to push through no matter what. But Paul tells us that we should boast in our weakness. And this is ultimately the posture of every Christ follower because it rests in this truth that we can do nothing of good on our own. That Jesus is everything good within us. We cannot save ourselves from sin. We cannot stop hardships we will face in this world. We do not have a leg to stand on apart from Christ. And I believe often we feel a lack of peace when we feel out of control. Do you remember the children's song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know? Okay, I just took some of you way back to like VBS when you were itty bitty maybe. Um, so this is kind of a sim- simple, silly song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, but I think it actually has some really rich theological truth. Okay, so just bear with me for a moment. See, it acknowledges first the love of God in the person of Jesus. It says, Jesus loves me, This I know, right? And then it points to the source of our truth, for the Bible tells me so. And then it reminds us that we are adopted sons and daughters of God. It says, little ones to him belong. We are his, not our own. And then how does it end? They are weak, and he is strong. Why do we learn songs like this when we're little? It's so that hopefully, in the moments when we really need to remember it, that we will remember it. That we will remember that these things never stop being true about our God. That he is strong. You know, there's some mornings when I can kind of tell, today's going to be off. I can just feel it. Uh, and in those mo- mornings and in those moments, there's been this prayer that I've, I've kind of prayed over and over to myself. It's uh, this poem written by Pastor Louis Giglio of Passion City Church. And it goes like this. It says, be still, my soul, there is a healer. His love is deeper than the sea. His mercy is unfailing. His arms a fortress for the weak. For whatever reason, when I I pray that out loud, it helps me to place my mind in a space where I glance at life and I gaze at God a little bit better. Let's continue to read in Luke chapter 1. Look again at verse 76. And you, child, will be called prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. 
who are the ones who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death? Last, last I checked scripture, it's us. Paul writes in Ephesians and Colossians and how we are dead in our sins. If you will, we are unable to turn the light on for ourselves. We are unable to atone for our sin. We are unable to come to God on our own. And so we see all of these things that God does for us. But then if we look at the end of this passage in verse 79, it says one of the other things that Jesus is going to do is that he is going to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, why would Jesus need to do that for us? It's simple. We cannot do it on our own. It's because peace is impossible apart from Christ. Church, I've got some good news for you. I've got some really good news. Jesus became peace for us. He guides us into the path of peace. And so what that means for us, you can stop looking. We can stop looking everywhere else for peace. We can rest in who Jesus says that he is. He is our peace. This is why we celebrate Christmas. It's because the peace of God was made available to his children in the form of a baby. Last week we sang, come and stand amazed you people. Look how God has reconciled. He is the one who is bringing us together and making all things new. The infinitely almighty God who created all things, who is sovereign over all, humbles himself, puts on human likeness, and becomes intimately approachable so that we can know the fullness of God in Christ our King. I believe that peace sometimes evades us because ultimately we look for it in all the wrong places. We look to false pacifiers to be what only the Prince of Peace can be for us. We look to our friends and family for a sense of peace, harmony, community. Let me ask you, has a friend or a family member ever caused a lack of peace in your life? Not just me, okay. So we can't look to them as our source of ultimate peace, can we? We look to all kinds of things. We look to drink and food and excess. We look to social media likes and, and job statuses to bring us peace, hoping that these things in some way or another will bring us harmony, that they will bring us an absence of hostility and a freedom from conflict and fear, that they will provide for us a sense of security. How about your pastors and your church family? I got news for you. I can't be your peace. Pastor Brandon can't be your peace. Pastor Dave can't be your peace. We have an incredible family life team that lead our children and students, but they can't be peace for your sons and daughters. They're also not responsible responsible for the spiritual upbringing of your sons and daughters. It takes both the church and the home to point them to hope, love, joy, peace, and Jesus as a team effort. And the reason that they can't be your peace is because they are broken and sinful people. 
They're just as messed up as you are. Sorry, he didn't know you were messed up. The reality is I am too. I am a broken and a sinful man. I mean, let's be, let's be real here. I got angry at my cat and punched the floor and broke my hand. <laughs> Cast is off, we're good. But let's just be honest, right? It's, I mean, it's, it's laughable, really laughable. Um, but it was also sinful. Because I let my anger get the best of me, and in that moment, I was not the example of Christ-like peace that I needed to be in my home. So as I tucked my daughters into bed that night, I had to go apologize to them and explain why dad shouldn't have gotten angry like he did and then point them to the one who never will. I had to apologize to my wife for not being the example of a Christ-like husband and, and bringing peace into our home. And church, I feel like I also need to apologize to you because that's not the kind of pastor that I want to be. I don't want to lead that way. And so to you, uh, for losing my temper, even in a silly way, um, that was not the way that I wanted to be. And so I apologize. See, I had to remind my daughters of what I'm now reminding us of. I'm not Jesus. Big surprise, right? If I ever tell you I'm Jesus from the stage, you get me out of here as fast as you can. Um, <laughs> The truth is, I will fail you. I will hurt your feelings. I will frustrate you. I will try not to. That's not my goal by any means. I will try to model a life that is radically obsessed with making much of Jesus every day to everyone. But I can't make any promises in that I will try, and I will probably get it wrong. And when I do, I will point you to the one who never will fail you. I'm thankful for forgiveness. I'm thankful for grace. I'm thankful for peace. Because truthfully, none of those things are deserved. I'm thankful for them because they can only come through Jesus. He is the only one who can make all things calm, all things bright. Nothing can except for Christ and everything that we look to for peace apart from Jesus will fail us miserably. It's because peace is impossible apart from Christ. What would it look like, North Canton Chapel? What would it look like if we decided to stop pursuing false pacifiers of peace? If we decided to lean completely and surrender ourselves fully to Jesus and allowed him to be the prince of peace that he is in our lives. I don't know that we can ask those questions when it comes to peace. That we can ask what ifs. Because there are some things we know. The first is this, that there will never be peace on earth. Regardless of what the Christmas songs say. In fact, scripture tells us that it just gets worse. In John 16.33, Jesus says this, I have said things to you that in me you may have peace. 
in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. It's promised to us by Jesus. In the world we will have trouble. We will have trial. But still we act surprised when hardships come, don't we? It's like they catch us off guard. It's like Jesus never said this, like, oh, something bad's going to happen. Imagine that. I'm going to get blood work back with squirrely numbers that makes me panic. There's going to be geopolitical tensions that cause me to fear my future. There's going to be layoffs at work, and I'm going to wonder if I am one that's coming up next. It rattles our peace, doesn't it? It's because peace on earth does not exist. The only peace that never fails us is Jesus. He has become peace for us because he knew that everything else would fail us. It's in this that he shows us his love and his grace as our prince of peace. Jonathan Edwards wrote these words on peace. He says, the foundation of the Christian's peace is everlasting. It is what not time, no change can destroy. It will remain when the body dies. It will remain when the mountains depart and the hills shall be removed, when the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll. The fountain of his comfort shall never be diminished, and the stream shall never be dried. His comfort and joy is a living spring in the soul, a well of water springing up to everlasting life. Where have you been looking for peace? Have you been looking to false pacifiers? To be what only Jesus can be? Have you been clinging to broken things to provide security instead of looking to the one who will never fail you? I think in some way or another we all have. And in that way we all need to repent. We need to ask Jesus to be the peace that we so desperately need and to give us the strength to cling to him as that peace. The band is going to come and they're going to lead us in a song to close our time together. And I know that they're going to be moving around. I'd ask you to stay right here with me if that's okay. If as they sing, I want to invite you to do some things. If you need to come forward, there's nothing special about this place, but sometimes something physical, a physical movement is a catalyst for spiritual movement. And so if you need to come forward and you need to pray and say, God, I need forgiveness for relying on false pacifiers instead of resting in you as my Prince of Peace, I'm gonna invite you to do that. Or if today you need to come to the front and pray and say, Jesus, would you forgive me? I repent of my sin and I acknowledge that you are my Savior and Lord and you need to begin a relationship with Jesus and allow him to be your peace, do that. This is what I know. False pacifiers of peace 
are lies from Satan to get us to believe that Jesus is not enough. And so today as we sing, if you call Jesus your Lord, then I ask you to declare with all you are that he is your peace and that you are a son or a daughter of King Jesus. That you would remember that he is the one who has overcome. And when lies speak louder than truth, remember that you are his and he is peace.